episode 89. This is the Business Generals Podcast. We chat with amazing entrepreneurs every single week to help you maximize your startup business ideas, take control of your personal finances, and get the most out of your professional career. Subscribe to the show and check out businessgenerals.com for full show notes, free tools, and killer resources to help you on your journey to maximizing your business dreams. And now, your host... Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Journals Podcast where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs. If you have not already done so, remember to click subscribe on your podcast player so that you do not miss an episode. This is Davis Mutawa here, your host, and I'm super excited to bring you our feature guest for today, Mr. Alex Scharfen. Alex, welcome to the Business Journals Podcast. Thanks for having me here. Amazing. Well, thank you for being here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Alex is an entrepreneur. He is a teacher, an author, an international speaker, and a coach. He has spent the last three decades as an entrepreneur with amazing success stories mixed in with some tough moments along the way, which we will no doubt hear about in this interview. Alex, once again, welcome to the show. Um, kick us off by telling us who is Alex outside of business. Um, outside of business, I'm a husband and a father. I have... Uh my wife, Katie, we work together, and then I have two daughters. Uh, my daughter, Reagan's 10 years old, and my daughter, Kennedy's 8 years old, mm-hmm. and we spend a lot of time with them, and uh, yeah, that's the easiest way to, to, to answer that question. That's good. Thank, uh, congratulations on having such a wonderful family. Yeah, they're um, awesome. Yeah. Mate, how long have you been in business for yourself? Oh, that's kind of a loaded question with me, man. So I was always a very weird kid and I was different and awkward and didn't really get along socially. So I think the first time I started selling stuff to my neighbors, I was eight years old. And when I was in junior high school, which in the United States, that's like 11 or 12 years old. I was having my mom drive me to a a bulk store where they sold restaurant supplies, but they also had a candy section and I was buying candy in bulk and taking it to school and selling it to the other students, I was making like between a hundred and two hundred dollars a week. Wow! And I got shut down by the school board, but I was, but that was really like the first time. But I, when I was eight years old, I started working with my father. So I think I was very fortunate in the world of entrepreneurs in that my career training started at eight. And mm. you know, I look at how much I learned in school, and I look at how much I learned working with my dad, and you know, there's just this exponential difference. Like when I was with my dad, I actually cared about what I was doing. You know, one of the first things I ever did as a kid was stand behind a table and sell stuff at a flea market or a swap meet, depending on where you are in the world. Sometimes it's called a bazaar Mm. or a market. And, uh, I would stand behind a table and, and convince people to buy stuff. And, you know, (laughs) in school I was a resolute failure. And when I started working with my dad, it was a place where I found success. And so that's really, you know, for me, it started way back then. That's very interesting. And what would you say today are your core revenue streams? So I, I, we have a number of products that we sell. I have a product called Momentum Masterclass where we show entrepreneurs how to gain personal congruency. I, the easiest way to put it is we help lower the noise and increase productivity radically and rapidly through addressing entrepreneurs physiologically, cognitively, and chemically. And I know that sounds like a weird thing to sell, but you know when you look at who we are as entrepreneurs, we are physiologically tied to our success. 
our cognition, our ability to think, the clarity that we can create, the tools, the frameworks around us that create that clarity. And those two things lead to our chemical balance as an entrepreneur. And you know what we don't realize is everything we do, everything we put in our mouth, the, the time we spend working, the time we spend with our family has a chemical and hormonal effect on our bodies. And when we start recognizing how to how to improve that, that's when everything in our life improves. And then I also have a, a high-end mastermind for entrepreneurs who are making over a million or are approaching it in some cases, but mm-hmm. I have clients in that group that are as high as 20 and $30 million run rates because when you're exploding a business, the questions you ask from about 1 million to 30 million are very, very similar. And that's where that's my primary revenue. Those two are my primary primary revenue streams. And how how has that changed from when you started out um, for yourself, you know, consulting or working um, in your own business? So, like the first real formal business I had, I was when I, when I was twenty one. I had sold a business in college. I had moved to Florida. The business I sold, I was working with a guy named Cameron Kuhn as part of like some software we sold him and. I, it didn't work out and I, I ended up getting fired by him or not fired. I'm sorry. I ended up quitting working with him. Sorry. I never would have been fired by him, but I ended up quitting and I, I became a consultant. And so the thing that I originally did way back when was I worked mm-hmm. with multinationals and this was through a series of fortunate events. I got clients like Fuji and Targus and uh, Logitech and Belkin. And at one point, even Microsoft and Bose and Monster Cable and I was working with some of those companies at the executive level, at the CEO or COO and CMO level, and a lot of times in the entire C-suite. Mm-hmm. And what I did back then was I helped companies set up channels of distribution, and we I was often taking over failing channels of distribution or failing territories or failing product lines and helping breathe life back into whatever it was they were doing by putting process and systems and structure and strategy in place. And You know, what's interesting is what I do today is I've created frameworks out of everything that I absorbed through that process. And so today, I would say that it's like the pinnacle of the most intense time and the most fun time in my career because I'm at this point where I've been exposed to entrepreneurial activity at a significant enough level for a long enough period of time in enough high-level meetings and high-stress situations that I can predict behaviors in entrepreneurs and I can also show any entrepreneur how to significantly lower the pressure and noise in their lives at an exponential pace than anyone else out there. So if someone identifies with you know, being the entrepreneurial personality type, that person who can't turn it off, that person who has always been driven to do more, to be more, has always had that voice in the back of their head, even though you didn't trust it sometimes. You know, you, you heard that voice saying, there's more here for you. You can do more. You can be more. Like, you are my client, and I know that I can help you double your productivity in a very short period of time and then finally start to build the protection and support around you in the form of an infrastructure that's a team. And the reason I know is I started when I was 21. I'm 44 years old. The the systems, the strategies, the tactics, the frameworks that I teach, they're what I started with and what I've been working on for really two decades. And, and you could back it up from that. My friend Price and I started a company in college and back it up from that. I started a window washing service in high school and you back it up from that. I had the candy business. 
you know, I even got into some illicit sales at some one point. So like the, the level, and I started working with my dad at eight. So I've, I've been obsessed with business my entire career. And so today it, you know, it's the rest of the story. I want to zero in a little bit, Alex, on um, the fact that you went into, you know, corporate consulting, albeit you were working for yourself, but there's a lot of corporate consultants out there who might be working for, you know, KPMG or Pricewaterhouse or, you know, Boston Consulting or, or any of those types of um, either boutique consulting suites or just, you know, the standard professional big four consulting from, from accounting to to corporate advisory. Um, and I know my background is in sort of that Deloitte um, space in, in the big four. So I know there's a lot of very smart people who are in those places and um, maybe they're a little bit frustrated or like you were saying, they know there is more to this uh, and maybe they feel a little bit capped or they're too scared to do it on their own because they don't have the big brand behind them. How did you navigate that space and, and sort of how do you speak to people like that who've come to become your students? You know, for me, I didn't like I didn't have to make that decision. You know, mm. uh, quite honestly, if you're in one of those positions, I probably couldn't have gotten your job. I was kind of a train wreck. You know, I didn't I, I had I had to get permission to graduate from high school because I had missed way too many of my classes. I didn't graduate college, not because I didn't want to. I, I legit at one point wanted to. I started wanting to less and less, but at one point I wanted to and I just, I couldn't, like the fact that the schedule changed every day and I had to remember what everybody else wanted and it didn't work for me. I, I put effort in and it just didn't work. And I've always been, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur. I think I just, I, I had a really hard time ever following someone else's direction when I mm. wasn't like a decision maker on the team. And so uh, for the person who's who's in that place, like here, here's what I can tell you, you have a lot more, you know, if, if you've worked for one of those organizations, you have so much more going for you than the average entrepreneur. And if you've been in that position at one of the larger firms, you know, you, you have no idea how much you already know about what it's going to take to be an entrepreneur. Because if you're one of those, at one of those firms, you're, you're exceptional at creating deadlines, uh, creating a strategy, at executing a plan, at doing, you know, meeting client expectations, at setting the right expectations. And when you look at what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur, you know, I, I just listed a big percentage of it. And what most entrepreneurs start with when they go out is an absolute deficit in all of those areas. You know, I, I recorded a podcast just a couple nights ago on my Momentum podcast about what only 1% of companies have. And if you're in one of these companies, it'll shock you, but about less than 1% of entrepreneurial companies have any forward planning system at all. They're run 100% from the day forward project base. There's no forecasting. There's no budget. There's no, <laughs> there's no, you know, and, and I mean, I certainly don't show entrepreneurs how to, how to uh, create restricted budgets and, and all the headaches that they have in corporations because as a consultant, you know how bad it is. Mm. But, you know, when you look at your ability to do those things, to create a plan and execute, to anticipate what's going to happen, you're ahead of most of them. And if you're listening to podcasts like this and making the decision, I mean, I want you to know it's probably already made. It's just a matter of time. It's, it's when do you pull the ripcord that says you've got this. And today, more than any other time in the history of entrepreneurial opportunity, this is the best time there's ever been 
to become an entrepreneur because the tools that are available to us are staggering if you have any level of expertise. I love that. Now, I want to step back into your story, Alex. So you've gone through the consulting piece. You've had all these massive companies that you were working with. Um, what happened? Where, where did the transition point come in for you to walk out of that project and start a new project? So if I go back to that business, that was a Fortune 500 consulting company. Mm. And I was in the consumer and the computer electronics industry. Back then, this was you know 23 or 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. Standards were different. And it was taking people out and it was drinking and it was entertaining every night. And uh, it was just a bizarre business. But, you know, I, when I was younger, I, that, none of that bothered me. I just did it all because it was part of the game. It was part of the business. But then when I got to my mid and late 20s, it got more and more tiring to do those things. It got more and more exhausting to go out to drinks again until one in the morning and, you know, entertain somebody who was in Florida only for one night or who was in Argentina only for one week or, you know, and and what happens is if you have a big enough business and you have enough clients and you're the principal, the way that I built that company, I didn't build it well. You know, I, I built it huge. I had offices throughout Latin America and the United States. Um, at one point we had over nine figures in sales. We hit about 250 and Mm. it was massive, but I built it directly around myself and I suffocated myself and I didn't understand. I didn't have perspective because I was younger and I didn't, hadn't seen everything that I've seen now that one of the most important things that we do as entrepreneurs is we create the business, we create the opportunity, and then we have to offload everything that we don't need to do as fast as we possibly can. And what I did in that company was I built this massive team and this huge infrastructure and, oh man, all these processes and systems and all this stuff that revolved right around me. Like I, I built myself so deep into the fabric of that business that like it was strangling me and Mm. I was making a ridiculous amount of money. I lived in South Florida. You know, I, I flew first class all over Latin America. I stayed in the best hotels But man, it was killing me. I was working seven days a week, 12 to 14 hour days. And I know a lot of people who are listening to this probably have done that. And I was entertaining constantly. And I met my wife and she ended up moving to Florida. And almost immediately, like that lifestyle that, you know, going out every night and being away from the house and not being with her, like as soon as we moved in together, as soon as we were together, it just wasn't acceptable anymore. And... Mm -hmm. It only took about two and a half months before I started like selling off my company and getting out of it. And so I made a transition back then to a retirement, which was like the worst thing I've ever done. (laughs) I almost went crazy in three weeks. And so then I, uh, (laughs) I started buying and selling real estate and my wife and I bought tons of real estate. We, it ended up growing into huge now. That was like a $40 million overall a year business. And we mm-hmm. were just the two of us and a, like a, a pretty significant team, but it was mostly contract. But then the South Florida real estate crisis hit and it took us out of business. And my wife and I got into the information products business and the coaching space through a product that I wrote for the foreclosure industry here in the United States, or sorry, not the industry, for the, for the real, real estate industry. But it was to help realtors help homeowners prevent foreclosure. It's the Certified Distressed Property Expert designation. And Mm -hmm. my wife and I wrote it. I taught it. And that's our first information product. And from 2008 
to 2000, about 15, it did about $70 million. It took us from bankruptcy where we lost everything to um, number 21 on the fastest growing companies in the United States, on the list of the fastest growing companies in the United States. And uh, in 2013, the U.S. Treasury came to our office and did an interview uh, on a live stream for our membership and mm-hmm. credited our company with pulling forward the recovery of the mortgage crisis by five to seven years. And uh, that was a pretty intense run. So that's how we got into this. Because in about 2011, we had taught so many realtors how to build their business through helping homeowners in foreclosure. And the crisis was so significant that we started coaching them how to build teams. And we started coaching some of the largest real estate teams in the country. Mm. Um, And I still work with some very large real estate teams in the United States. And uh, that's, that's how we got into this business. But today, most of my... Most of the work that I do is with people who have high leverage, either service or product businesses. And it's, you know, it's uh, usually a combination. I work with a lot of coaches, consultants, information products, companies, uh, anyone who's leading a movement or growing a, a membership. That's usually who I'm working with now and, you know, helping them install the infrastructure that allows them to grow the team that they need so that they can really make the contribution that they want to and the impact that they want to. And let's be honest, the first goal of a business is to make a profit. And you know, that's, that's the thing I help entrepreneurs do most is grow and scale a business very quickly so that you outpace your competition in every way possible so that you increase your margins faster than anybody else and you get leverage faster than anybody else and you take more money home faster than anybody else. You know, I think the problem with how the majority of coaches, consultants and books and everything else on growing and scaling a business shows entrepreneurs how to do is how to spend a lot of money and not maintain huge margins. And, you know, in my world, I like my clients to have massive double-digit margins um, and and feel very secure because they have millions of dollars in the bank. And that's that's really my focus today. That's a good goal, you know, because as soon as you can hit profitability, it starts to settle people's nerves and the confidence grows. I love the fact that you just walked me right through a, a bunch of years in your career as a business owner. Walk me through a little bit about that time where you started that information product. Um, which was to the real estate market. So you, you've mentioned that you were down and out on, at the brink of bankruptcy, and then you've started to grow. Just walk me through a couple of those early steps, and then I will switch into a, a recent case study of your students. But I want just to understand how your journey went at that point. Yeah, I would love to tell you that it was that we had avoided bankruptcy with this. We we went bankrupt. We lost everything. Mm. It was all of it, and you know we because we had we had a lot of real estate that we owned and. All of our property was in the tri-county area of Florida, Broward, Dayton, Palm Beach County, and it was all, that, those are the three fastest depreciating counties in the U.S., and it were they were in 2007, and mm-hmm. our property's portfolio lost over 65% of its value. Sheesh. Yeah, and we had condos that we owned at $150,000 to $180,000, four of them in the same complex, and one of them sold for the lowest price of $15,500. So it was an over 90% loss on real estate. We actually had several properties that got condemned and we could not get uncondemned. So we lost everything. Wow. And because uh, there was two hurricanes prior to the collapse. So it was, it was, it was a brutal <laughs> situation. Wow. And uh, 
as I was getting served, so here's what happened. We own so, so many properties mm. that I was getting served with foreclosure paper all the time. And the first time it happened, I remember I read the paperwork and I told my wife, you know, the way they're approaching this, people are going to start throwing the keys in the front of the door and like lighting the house on fire. And mm. it happened. A few months later, people started doing exactly that. Like people felt desperate and they felt like they didn't have any type of an option. And so Davis, they started like, you know, they'd they'd throw the keys in the door and turn the water on and kick the drain out of the bottom of the sink. And so the houses would flood and stuff. And Mm. I was a consultant. I had, you know, done, I negotiated some super large contracts. I'd created a lot of interrelationships between organizations and companies and a lot like distributors and retailers and international distributors and factories and manufacturers and sourcing companies. And like, that was my job. My job was to make deals come together by any means necessary and create the communication systems that everybody followed so that they understood what was happening. And when you look at what was happening in the foreclosure crisis, you had these disparate organizations, the the investors, then the banks, then the real estate agents, then the homeowners, then real estate brokerages. And then, you know, the news channels were all yelling in different directions. And Mm. I looked at it as just a really large deal. And what I saw was that there was this massive population of real estate agents in the United States that if they were willing to sit down with homeowners, they could minimize the losses for the banks by conducting what was called a short sale, where it's basically a negotiated payout for people who really can't pay. Because in a crisis as dramatic as what we had in the United States, somebody would lose their job and they just bought a house for $250,000. It's now worth 145. And the only thing the bank can do is go through the really costly process of foreclosure Mm. that sometimes in some states takes four or five years. And I realized that there was a much shorter way to do that by these negotiated sales. And so I, I wrote a product um, around that, what's called a short sale. And we trained real estate agents. And here's what's crazy, Davis. We launched that product while we were in bankruptcy. Like you want the real like details? Mm. I was standing in front of our first class, January 23rd and 24th, 2008. I don't remember my wife's birthday, but I remember those days. Like, And I don't mean that to sound like a jerk because I love my wife. I have a massive picture of her next to my desk here, but like, I don't remember dates very well, but I'll never forget those. Cause it was like Katie and I, we had lost everything. We had gone through bankruptcy. We had to ask the trustee for, for the content for the course. He had to give it back to us so that I could teach it. We got a credit. So we, we had a, found a hotel that gave us credit on a room. They told us we could pay after we were done. Mm-hmm. And we got a printer that did the same thing because we wow. had been in business for a while in South Florida. And so enough people knew us that like some staff at the hotel and some staff at the printer kind of, to be honest with you, like manipulated the rules a little bit and let us get a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And we taught this course. And on the first day, Davis, we hadn't billed anybody because we couldn't set up a credit card machine. And all we had done was re- collect credit card numbers. So we were bankrupt, we didn't have any money, and I was standing in front of the classroom and we couldn't collect anyone's money. And I remembered thinking like, God, this is such a crazy situation. And it was the first time I'd ever taught the material. And it hit me, I, was, I went back to like my days of selling over the table or being on Home Shopping Network. I said, uh, you know, I just want everyone here to know, we believe in this class so strongly that because you're the first people to take this course, 
we haven't even billed your credit cards. We're going to bill you tomorrow morning. If anyone's not satisfied by the end of the day today, you just let me know. We'll give you, we won't even take your money. We haven't even mm-hmm. done it yet. And, and I was like, I hope they bought that. Because what I wanted to do was just warn everyone their credit card was going to get hit. Because what I didn't want was anybody like complaining because we'd get shut down immediately. We, we barely got a credit card. Uh, machine and we were about to run 60 people's cards. There was actually 58 people in the classroom. And right. um, I went, just so you, you know, everybody who's out there thinking of like, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. I interviewed uh, my wife was a real estate agent at the time, but I had never been one. I, I went out and did what so many different resources today tell you to do. I conducted interviews with my target avatar. I talked to 30 or 35 different real estate agents. I interviewed them on what was going on in the market. You know, what, what would they do? What would, what, what did they need? Where was their confusion? You know, what was, what was the gap in the market right now? What were they doing with short sales? And, uh, Davis at the end of those interviews, I sat down and I went and I, I like literally hand wrote most of the product. I wrote the outline by hand. I wrote a lot of the forms by hand because when you sit down at a computer and you start trying to make the final product, you just slow down the creative energy that you have. Yeah. And so I take out big sheets of paper and I like, I'll write out the outline. Then I write out a couple of forms. Then I draw a picture of like what a landing page could look like or what a, um, what a, a UI or UX could look like, or I mean, user interface or user experience, or mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll start writing notes. Like, here's how I want it to feel. And here's what I want people to think. And, you know, I think that one of the things that saved us at that time was that I sat down and I created a really exceptional product after mm. those interviews. I didn't, I wrote every word of it. I knew what I had. I understood how significant it was. I knew how much it was going to help the target avatar because I'd talked to over 30 of them. And then after I wrote the outline for the product, I did over 80 phone calls. And I said, if I helped you do these things, Like, is that what would help right now, given the crisis that we're in? And all of them said, oh, my God, if anybody could do that, yes. And then, you know, one out of 10 would say, well, could you also add this? And I would think, man, that would have been a huge miss. (laughs) And so I had this product that by the time I was done, I talked to over 100 real estate agents. They had told me they would buy it. So I knew who was going to buy it as soon as I had anything I could do online. But Katie and I were just working the two of us. Like we were literally bankrupt. We couldn't get any help. So we, the in-person class was the cheapest route for us to go because I could drive around South Florida and sell people into the class. Mm. And here's what made the difference, you know, because so many people are trying to launch a product or put something out there. And what made the difference was when I stepped in front of a room to sell my product, I knew exactly what they needed. I knew exactly what I was giving them and I understood their pain because I'd talked to so many of them. And so I could anticipate questions and it was very easy to sell the product. It didn't, you know, it wasn't difficult because I basically just explained to them exactly what had happened to my wife and I. I told everybody we went bankrupt. I I explained to everyone like what the problems were. And then Mm -hmm. I told them how many foreclosure papers I'd seen. And then I explained to them exactly what I was going to deliver and what the solution was going to give them. And why it was so significant and why, you know, and I made arguments like, I think if you don't do this, you're going to be out of this business. And I could sincerely say that without feeling creepy. And I was closing 30 to 40% of the room right out of the gate. And, you know, at one point, our close rates in an in-person preview were well over 50%. And not only that, but our adoption rate was crazy. Here's the number I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. We sold 49,500 courses at about $500. Mm -hmm. But 
we graduated 46,500. So wow. our graduation rate of people who actually adopted the product was over 90%. That's unheard of in any product. Mm. But that's what happens. Like, you know, I had, by the time we wrote that product, and I, I'd, I'd been involved with so many different systems that the reason that that exploded like it did was, you know, we got Bank of America, Citibank, Chase, Wells Fargo, all on board to use our processes. Wow. And it was near impossible. They were so hard to work with. And then we went and worked with some of the biggest brokerages, you know, Remax. I became really close with Dave and Gail Linegar at Remax through the foreclosure crisis. We were just on the phone with, with their corporate office this week. We worked with Century 21. We worked with all the major brokerages. And then I also went um, on my own dime and then sometimes with Remax and sometimes with other organizations. I went and lobbied in Washington and I spent a lot of time talking about what the problem was and presenting our solution. And, you know, if someone's listening and you want to do something significant, like go really figure out who you're talking to first mm. and then create the product that they exactly told you they need. And then when you turn around and sell it to them, they're just going to like beg to give you money. You know, when I, I had a couple of sales calls this week and yeah. most of the time, if I'm on the phone with the target avatar for our very high end mastermind, where we show people how to grow million dollar plus businesses, my close rate's like 90% because yeah. I know their pain inside and out. I know exactly what they're going through. I've talked to so many people in that situation. I've helped so many entrepreneurs go from, you know, 700,000 around there to, 30, 40, 50, 60 million, and then up. You know, I've, I've been all the way to 10 figures with friends of mine. Mm. And I've worked with billionaires more than once. And so it's, you know, it's near impossible for me to get on a phone with an entrepreneur that I can't tell them exactly what's going on in their business, where they need leverage, and how they can grow the fastest. And then we have systems and frameworks that back it up. Amazing. I could just envision all the things that you were walking me through there. And I know it's, it's impactful in someone else's mind listening. I want to do a, a bit of a case study. I heard you recently, I'm um, not sure how recent that was uh, when you recorded that podcast, but you shared how um, one of your students had come in and um, had some great success within a short period of time. So I don't know, you can pick a story that has resonated with you from somebody who's coming to your you know, your audience or your, your net, if you like. And, um, they had a product idea. They had a, especially from a, like a consulting perspective or, or a service, service product. Sure. So, um, actually, I'll tell you about what I think is perhaps, I mean, I've worked with some really incredible organizations, but perhaps this might become one of the top two or three most significant organizations I've ever worked with. And, and right now they're in growth mode, but it's this company called Gym Launch. And uh, Gym Launch is an organization that helps fitness franchise owners or fitness location owners, like anyone who owns a gym, they help them rapidly create income through showing gyms how to increase their membership. But then here's what's more important, increase their effectiveness with their clientele. And here's what's even more important, increase, increase their retention of their clientele through getting results. And so the CEO and the, the owner and his wife uh, run it, CEO and COO, and uh, they're Alex and Layla Hormozzi, and they are two of the most radically intelligent and 
gifted entrepreneurs I've ever been around. And like, that's why I say this might become one of the most significant businesses I've ever worked with because <laughs> I've worked with massive companies and global organizations, but I've never seen one where you have two people who play at this level who are married and push as hard as these guys do. I mean, uh, and, and here's, here, I'll give you a case study. So we started working together a few months ago. I think I want to say possibly July, but I'm terrible with months. I'm terrible mm -hmm. with dates. Well, I'm actually terrible with months too, but anyway. So we, we started working together and here's the type of client I work with, um, Davis. I work with entrepreneurs who have created far more opportunity than their current business infrastructure will support. So they know they could be doing more. They're leaving mm -hmm. money on the table. They know they could acquire more clients. They know they could get more leads. They understand how to do those things. But what they don't understand how to do is hire the team and the infrastructure and bring on people in the right way, in the right order, and then communicate to those people and then grow that team and infrastructure so that it will support them through that growth. And, you know, being someone who has obsessed over business my entire life and obsessed over success my entire life, I've just seen the same patterns over and over of how um, business grows. And so when we started working together, Alex and Layla Hormozzi, they had themselves. So it was the two of them <laughs> and Jen, their operations manager. And so they had a three person team. They were doing about $200,000 a month. And it is such a special business because at $200,000 a month, they were getting results for gym owners where they were acquiring clients. This is how Alex was selling the product at the beginning. Check this out, Davis. This is crazy. He was getting on the phone with gym owners and he would like at the very beginning, he's not selling it like this anymore. Today he sells most of it by referral, but he was getting mm -hmm. on the phone with gym owners. And if they couldn't afford the product, he was so confident in what he does. He would say, give me, so he would say, okay, I'll finance it for you. Just give me a thousand dollars a week. I'll finance this product for you. And if a gym owner said like, I don't have a thousand dollars, Alex would say, okay, look, if you'll commit to putting my system in place fast, I'll do it for $500, but then you've got to give me the first $500 you make back. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to make the rest of the payments. And so he was giving people the product so that they could make the money to pay for it. And, um, what we did together where what I've, where I've helped them, I mean, that they're just, they're so brilliant because it's working. I mean, it actually is working at all levels. What they sell is working, what the gym owners, then how they improve their gyms is working. And then their clientele, like the gyms, the people who attend these gyms, the people who go to the gyms get superior results. That's an incredible business model. And mm -hmm. so I knew that they had this massive amount of potential and they did too. Only I remember when I first met, met Alex, he said, you know, I think we have a $10 million business here. And I said, Alex, you are going to blow by $10 million. You have a $100 million business here and we need to start talking that way. That's really what you have. You're at 10 million. You are, you're, it's going to happen so fast. It's going to confuse you. And we started working together probably in part because I had that conversation with him. And um, I helped Alex and Layla install systems and they just, they adopt at a rapid rate. They do mm -hmm. things incredibly fast, like overnight fast. They put all my systems in place as fast as they possibly could. And they, they did them in a very repeatable way where they recorded themselves. Like I didn't tell them to do any of the recording, any of the, the making it duplicatable. They just did it on their own. They knew to record themselves. They knew to put it in a platform. I coach all my clients to do that now, but they did it. They, they were one of the first clients I saw do it at the level that they do it. Right. And by doing that, they have gone from a three-person team 
to a 22 person team. They have gone from a couple hundred thousand dollars a month to collecting almost seven figures in a month. And mm. the product that they've sold in a single month is over $3 million in contracts. And so when you look at that shortest time frame, to, to, for a company to go from a run rate of just around a million to a run rate of around, I mean, it's between 20 to $30 million right now. If you look at what they're selling, what they're actually selling on a monthly basis, the numbers are bringing in. And it's intense to see that. And it's from putting structure and from putting a forward-looking planning system in place. Davis, about 1% of companies have any type of forward planning. You know, when you go to a, to a, a, a sports team and you ask the sports team, what are your goals? It's very clear. Like as an example, in, in American football, the, the long-term, the vision, the mission, you know, the long-term goal is you get mm-hmm. to the Hall of Fame. You're recognized by the sport. Then the year goal is to win the championship, the Super Bowl. And then the quarterly goal is like, here's our schedule. The monthly goal is here's what I need to execute this month in the schedule. The weekly goal is here's who I'm going to line up against this week. The daily goal is here's your workout. Here's where you're going. This is what you're going to do. And in, in a sports team that succeeds, everyone knows exactly where they're going all of the time. In the average entrepreneurial business, people usually have no idea where they're going. And so by putting that forward planning system in place, companies grow at an exponentially faster rate and they create a very high level of stability. That's good. Um, And I love the analogy of the sports teams and I I would love to go there, but I want to go back to the story. So just in a quick, quick sort of uh, way, can you just reiterate what that gym launch business, what's their product and, and how are they now marketing it and growing it? So if you go to the website, I don't hate money.com, you'll see one of the most well-written landing pages ever for a gym owner because Alex was a gym owner. He had a bunch of locations. He did millions of dollars in the gym business. And so he knows gym owners backwards and forwards, and that's why he can help them so well. And they sell um, a product where a gym owner joins a membership and they help them with all of the functional running of the gym from the marketing and customer acquisition to the delivery of a product to or to the sale of the product to the delivery of the product to how you upsell and retain customers and when you look at that entire product line it's all about how do they get the most significant result with their customer and so when i say that i mean the gym customer so mm-hmm. you look at where he started thinking about this he thought about it from the end result back and you know here's here's the challenge you know i i, I did the same thing with the certified distressed property expert You know, so many people these days are trying to design products in abbreviated ways. And I think in a lot of cases that might work. But, you know, Alex had the gyms deliverable to their clients. So he does B2C and B2B. So he sells to gyms and then he shows them how to sell it to their consumers. And so it's just it's one of the most well put together products I've ever seen. And Alex demonstrates the highest level of expertise I've ever seen in the gym industry. But then when you couple it with his wife, Layla, you know, when I first met her, we talked for a little while and I told her, I I said, you know, I think you should be the COO of this company. I think you should become the operator. I'm seeing something in you. You know, I, I, I don't think I told her at the time. I don't think I could have put my finger on it. But now that I've worked with her a while, she's just this. She has incredible instincts and she trusts her judgment and she really understands people at a foundational level. And 
you know, Davis, they are executing incredibly well for as fast as they're scaling. They're still getting like in, the testimonials from their clients are crazy. Their testimonials on, you know, there's a Facebook group that Alex runs and people post things like, I was one month from losing my home or one month from not paying my bills or one month from losing my gym. And mm-hmm. I joined this membership and I was able to generate $25,000 in sales and pay off not only what I owed, but I got my gym back and now I just had a $75,000 month. Months. And uh, it's incredible. That's great. Well, that's a great story. I would love to, to interview Alex. So if you can hook me up, that'll be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's an incredible entrepreneur, man. That'll be good. Yeah. Alex, I want you to just talk to somebody who is in that space. They've never created an information product, but they have a wealth of knowledge around a specific topic um, based on their you know, experience over the last however many years, and they're passionate about it. What are the, some of the steps that they would, they would need to take and be cognizant of in order to start to go towards some of the successes that you've just walked us through? I, you know, I tell every entrepreneur to start in the same place. Start right where I did. Go interview your target avatar. You know, go so so figure out who do you want to serve and what do you think you want to do and how do you want to help them. You know, I if you have any level of expertise, where do you want to apply it? What excites you? You know, what makes you interested and and what makes you excited about working with someone? Like when I look at my target avatar, you know, I I work with entrepreneurial personality types, not just entrepreneurs. You know, in, in some of my products, I get people who are working in a corporation. I get a lot of students. I get a lot of people in the military because, you know, I'm looking for a personality type. It's the person who can't turn it off. It's the person who's driven by being in momentum, by being on the hunt, by chasing down goals. You know, you, you have that thing that you just can't turn off that tells you you've got to go a little bit further. And I know that person intimately because I've obsessively read and interviewed and talked to, and I'm one of them. And I think that any of you who want to move in that direction, the most important thing is figuring out who you serve. People ask me, well, what about in a product company? Shouldn't you figure out what you're going to make? That is the biggest mistake that most product companies make. That is why most, the vast majority, you know, they 70% of businesses fail in the first 10 years, but I guarantee you 99% of product companies fail in the first 10 years. Because the biggest mistake that product companies make is they fall in love with the product and they don't find out what the clientele really wants. So go out and talk to them and figure out what they need and figure out what they're looking for and how how you can serve them. You know, the products that I have today, man, I, I probably talked to 175, 200 um, CEOs that had million dollar plus businesses before mm-hmm. I launched that mastermind. Because I wanted to make sure by the time I got on the phone with my target avatar, like only 3% of businesses make to a million. I don't want to screw a bunch of those calls up. So get in front of people. And then after you get through your target avatar interview, decide what result you're going to give people. Like what, what, is, what result is the product that you're giving them going to give people? Because far too many entrepreneurs create products that sound good but don't create a result. And those are hard to sell. Like resultless products are hard to sell. Mm. And resultless books are hard to sell. And so if you, if someone can say, Hey, you should buy this product because then, you know, figure out what that because is like, what is, what result did you create in their lives? And then create a product that you test over time and you improve and you consistently make better because in today's game, it's no longer about put out the product and nobody uses it. 
that's how it used to be. You know, that adoption used to be something nobody talked about and returns used to be something, something nobody talked about because nobody really adopted, nobody really returned. But mm. these days, people are shredding products. They're going through everything they buy. Like they, when people buy stuff online, if you want to create anything that's significant, it better be really freaking good. Because people are going to jump in. And if they get through one section, which is sometimes all someone will do, but if they get through one section or two sections or three sections, or if they finish it and they get a result, you're going to start selling by accident. You're going to start selling when you don't. You know what's funny? Gym launch. I don't know if Alex is going to get mad at me for telling this story, but Alex, I'm super sorry if this was like something I shouldn't tell people, but I think it's pretty badass because Gym Launch sells their product through running Facebook ads, really innovative Facebook ads that speak mm-hmm. directly to their target avatar. Mm-hmm. And last week, they had a great week, and then they realized their ads had been like turned off inadvertently in Facebook for like the whole week. <laughs> and Davis, they are an ad-driven company, but they like I don't know if he's going to be mad because like they missed it that the ads weren't on but here's why they missed it their lead volume didn't go down Mm. they weren't running ads but they were getting so many referrals that I mean their lead volume didn't go down enough for him to think hey something's happening with the leads (laughs) and it's because they're getting this massive result the reason that we did so well in the real estate industry is because we really did deliver a result real estate agents were going to be able to help homeowners in in foreclosure and if, if you're getting started interview the avatar, figure out what they need, and then deliver that result. And you will create a product that will create an annuity for you. Because all Mm. you have to do is stay on top of it and make sure that it has the right information in it and mine your customer feedback, your customer complaints, your customer, you know, congratulatory messages, whatever it is, whatever you can get from your customers. Heck, we survey our customers. We talk to them. We ask them stuff. Like before we re-release any of our beta products, we actually update them to a, to a whole new product. And if you do that, you end up with a product that creates a market result. And when you can create a market result, you don't have to sell like everybody else. You're going to sell referrals. You're going to sell people that heard about you. You're going to, the people who are coming towards you are going to be people who are already pre-sold because you've sold a market result and they've heard about it. I love that. Survey, um, interviews, and creating a product or, or service that creates results. That's amazing. Um, I thank you for your passion, man. That That's really coming through. Uh, I want to start to finish up this this chat and I want to ask you, Alex, you've You've authored some books um, and you've also read a lot of books, I know. But what are the two great books um, that have really inspired you over your journey that you would love to recommend to to an entrepreneur? I think the most significant book I've ever read is Think and Grow Rich. And I don't mean to sound cliche like everybody just says that. I actually own own a book that's sitting right next to me and it has like 20 post-it notes sticking out of it. I own the first edition of Think and Grow Rich as well. So I own a first edition copy that's downstairs in our safe. And Mm -hmm. the reason my wife got that for me is it's just one of the most significant books in my life because Napoleon Hill wrote in this way that he allowed you to learn what was in that book as you almost needed it. And Mm -hmm. I read it over and over again until I finally figured out what he was trying to say. And You know, I remember when we went bankrupt, I picked that book up off the shelf, opened it, and it actually opened to the page that said, every adversity carries with it the seed of an even greater result. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, man, if that's true, whatever happens next is going to be extraordinary. And 
that book convinced me in that moment that I should really just believe that. And Katie and I went from bankruptcy to being liquid millionaires in under one year. And we created a over eight figure business in under four years. And Mm. when I think of, of like where that motivation came from, it was like, I didn't believe what was possible because I figured, you know, I just believed the words that Napoleon Hill wrote that the adversity I was going through was going to create even a bigger result. And then I think, gosh, there's, I, I just, there's so many great books in the world. I get like frustrated to just name one, but if I had to name one that's resonating right now, I would say the book, The Highest Goal by um, Michael Ray. For anyone who hasn't heard of that book, it's written by the guy who ran the Stanford Creativity Project and so many billionaires and um, successful entrepreneurs and incredible, just people who've done crazy stuff in the world have come through that class at Stanford University in the United States. And when you read that book, it's the exercises and the knowledge and what's shared in that class. And it's intense. That's a book to read, not a book to listen to, because you should like mark it up and really slow things down as you're reading it because the density of the exercises and the simplicity of the result that that book gives you, it just, the highest goal allows you to understand what is your foundational motivation as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. so that you can just start focusing on it right now. I love that. Alex, people have heard your passion. They have heard um, some of the great stories of people who have come through your courses, who are still members, who are enjoying success. What is the best place for somebody who wants to connect with you to get to and to reach out to you? Um, You should check out my podcast at MomentumPodcast.com or you can go to iTunes and search on Momentum for the Entrepreneurial Personality Type. That podcast will tell you more about yourself than anyone ever has. And uh, if you're interested in reading the book about the entrepreneurial personality type, if you want to prove to yourself once and for all that you are an entrepreneur, that you are hardwired different than the rest of the world, and that you are meant for more along with the framework to get there, go to freemomentumbook.com and we'll give it to you. Amazing. Alex, before I ask my last question, I really want to appreciate your time and acknowledge um, you know, everything that you have poured out here on the show. Um, really enjoyed it. I could have kept going. Um, but I do have one more question for you, mate. When all is said and done, do you think about legacy? And if you do, tell us what sort of legacy you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why. You know, I, I don't know how much I thought about legacy until I found my wife. She changed the world for me. And then having my daughters did that all over again. And today I think about it all the time because being an entrepreneur my whole life and uh, then having daughters who are clear entrepreneurial personality types just <laughs> like me and, and you has really shifted my perspective of the world. You know, I, when I said earlier that I was always that awkward, weird kid, I really was. I, um, I was much different than the kids around me. And so as a child, I didn't do what other kids do. I didn't go out on the playground. I didn't hang out with other kids. I read. I read obsessively. And I read about successful people trying to find this elusive quality called success. And, and what was it that they did? How were they different than me? And, and how could I get there? Because in all of life that counted at the time, I was a natural failure. And I obsessed over 
what could I do so that I wouldn't be such a failure so that I wouldn't be picked last so that I wouldn't, you know, be so awkward and so different. And the more I read about successful people and continue to read my whole life, I've been obsessed with it. I can't stop. And the more I continue to read about successful people, the more I realize that they're just like me. They're awkward. They're different. They, they're uncomfortable. They feel socially awkward. They, you know, they get accused of being aggressive and antisocial. And, you know, I remember reading about Einstein who didn't talk until he was four and couldn't tie his shoes and failed algebra. I failed algebra. I remember Thomas Edison got, got sent home from school because he was, his mom was told he was too slow. And Socrates went to his death because he was too stubborn to agree with anyone else. And Newton got hit in the head with an apple and discovered gravity. But what we don't tell of that story is that Newton was considered antisocial and had social anxiety. So he didn't go around anybody. He was sitting under the tree by himself. And as I read all those books, I realized that every one of us, every entrepreneurial personality type goes through struggle and pain and cognitive dissonance and frustration. You know, Picasso's blue period is a period in, in art history recognized as significant. And, and it was one guy going through an extended depression painting in blue. And when I think of people like you and I, I want my legacy to be that I can convince you that you are not alone and there is nothing wrong with you. Because throughout history, if you recall the timeline of history that matters to you, if, if you think of who throughout history you've read about that, that matters to be remembered, that you remembered, that called out to you for some reason, that significance, that let you know there was some connection and you know who it is for you. I know who it is for me. And if you think of those people, I want you to know that for every one of us who's been diagnosed or, or injured or told that there's something wrong with us or has had some disability or disease or disorder or whatever it was, there's someone just like us that has been there, has overcome it, and has gone on to change the world. And so I want my legacy to be for every entrepreneurial personality type out there who's felt isolated and alone and different like a party of one to know that that is your tribe, that is your legacy, and that is who you are. That was very passionate, and I hope everybody listening, you got a glimpse of what Alex is all about, and that that got your hopes up that you are good enough to chase your dreams. If you enjoyed that episode, do leave us a review on iTunes. Make sure to do that, and we'll give you a shout out at a future episode. And go over to businessjournals.com forward slash Alex C., and to connect with Alex, check out the Momentum podcast on iTunes. Alex, thank you so much for being on the Business Journalist podcast today, for sharing your story with us with great passion. We are absolutely grateful. You are a true business general. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. It was a, it was a pleasure being here with you. Thank you for listening to the Business Generals podcast. Connect with us at businessgenerals.com and grab the full show notes and access a ton of free resources. Subscribe to the Business Generals podcast so that you do not miss an episode. And help us reach more people by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. We look forward to your company on our next episode. Until then, remember that you are a true business general. The Business Generals podcast, helping you maximize your startup business ideas, take control of your personal finances, and get the most out of your professional career.